Mini-episode 1513 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at Sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late-night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello everyone, welcome to our FDH Lounge preview of the AFC North for 2022. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with fellow FDH Lounge original dignitary Chris Galloway. We're going to be looking at the North, but I'm going to let you know a couple of things here at the outset. If you want to know our macro level thoughts for the season, go back to our first preview that we did this year, our AFC East preview. That's the one where we historically kind of tackle any of that at the outset on it. As well, this is going to be unusual for this division in that uh, we're, we're going to refer you to a whole lot of material. You, you might expect us to take an hour on the Browns alone, but we have spent significantly more time on that on the Browns. If you want to hear our thoughts on the Deshaun Watson situation, this was not long after the acquisition, many episodes 1459 and 1460, as well as Chris's and my thoughts on the wisdom of the matter and the ramifications of it. Our thoughts are very divergent, of course. And uh, the Browns preview for the season uh mini episode 1502 we looked at the offense 1503 defense and special teams so we've already covered the browns to a decent amount we'll have a little bit to say about them in the context of the division here but it's not necessary for us to get as much into that as we do the other teams uh for our divisional previews for this year i'm using a uh, feature from Fantasy Football Draftology 2022, available on the main page at fantasydrafthelp.com. One run-on sentence for each team in the division here. So I have this in front of me. Here's what I have queued up for the AFC North with my prediction of the order of finish. And remember that I wrote this when we still didn't know how long Watson's suspension was going to be. So that's why I kind of leave it open-ended there when I'm talking about it. But uh, my overall thoughts on the Browns, I think, are pretty much the same as when I wrote this. I start with Baltimore, my pick for the first-place team. One of the best draft halls of the past decade, combined with a manageable schedule, sets the table for a real prove-it season for Lamar Jackson. Cincinnati. Joe Burrow no longer has a shower curtain for an offensive line, but a brutal schedule and the pressure of expectations render this team an excellent candidate for the Super Bowl hangover. Cleveland, just like a year ago, the Browns entered the season with a top-five roster and now a franchise QB, and all that was lost was honor, as the saying goes, but questions about the length of a possible Watson suspension threatened to negate the softest schedule faced by any AFC contender this side of Indianapolis. Pittsburgh, with the weakest quarterback situation in the division, aside from whenever Watson is suspended, continuing to overachieve relative to the level of talent on the roster looks to finally be coming to an end. Now, again, I look at this, and I have a little more certitude when I look at the picture of the division. It's interesting that you mentioned to me off-air, Chris, that uh, you don't have the same feeling of certitude looking at this division, that you see it as something more amorphous 
depending on the ability of some teams to rise and fall in the overall picture. Yeah, I look at I look at this uh, division as as really four teams that are all like who's going to get ten wins and win the division. Um, or are we going to have four teams sitting there around eight or nine wins? Um, and honestly, I, I think that I think I haven't looked recently, but I think Vegas has pretty much got the, the three of the teams are right around nine and a half as they're over under, don't they? I mean, I think Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Cleveland at one point um, in the off season were all right around nine and a half as their predicted uh, win totals, with the Steelers around seven and a half. Um, so clearly, if that is the case, and again, I have to look and see what the most current um, over-unders are, that, that Vegas feels the same way. You know, I look at this division, and I agree with you once again, much to my just anger that the Ravens just had a great draft. I, <laughs> um, but again, you know, how much do young players fill holes that they have? Their wide receiving core is still, you know, bared. And Lamar Jackson is still a glorified running back. I don't care. I mean, prove it to me. I haven't, you know, maybe this is the year. Maybe year five is when he comes out and he's throwing accurate balls outside the numbers. Um, and maybe and maybe he never has to because of the way they design that defense around his legs. Maybe. Um, but, um you know, they got bit by injuries last year. They were still a dangerous team. I agree with you. They're my pick to win the division narrowly. My second-place team, um, I, my pick was the Browns, um, narrowly edging out the Bengals. Although I do love what the Bengals did in the offseason to trying to give Burrow some offensive line help. I agree with you. They're, they're playing a first-place schedule, yep. uh, which they have not had to do. And... Um, they are going to have the bullseye on them this year in the AFC. So there's no hiding on, you know, hiding or sneaking on. Also, I think this team kind of got hot at the right moment last year. Right. And and again, they, they you know they got teams like Kansas City after that Buffalo game where they you know mentally Kansas City was spent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I think I, I don't want to say fluke because they earned it, and then they almost won the Super Bowl. Right. Let's not. I mean, they hung in there to the end, and you know, you know, going into the fourth quarter, we were like, "My God, the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl," uh, but they didn't. And and but I just, to, to, to your point, I view that as sort of like a meteoric rise that that this year is just screaming for something to go sideways and for the hangover, as you described it, for for that traditional Super Bowl losing team to sort of uh, fall down. Uh, so I think they're going to. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Browns, despite all their problems, are going to find a way to get to uh, somewhere around nine or ten wins and be right there uh, in that second place position behind probably nine wins right behind the Ravens and ten. Um, and then again, I'm not saying the Bengals are are going to. I think they are also going to have nine wins, but I think they, the Browns take the tiebreak. And then I have the Steelers, you know, right there at, at, with, with eight wins and eight and nine. Look, even if it, I think Mitch, Mitch is an upgrade over Roethlisberger the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and they made the play. 
playoffs last year with Ben Roethlisberger not able to throw. Um, Mitch is an upgrade in terms of athleticism. At some point, if they go to Kenny Pickett, that's probably the right move, even though, you know, I love me some Mitchell Trubisky. But, you know, that's going to come with a price if they make the move to Pickett in game, you know, week four, week five. Um, he's going to be a rookie quarterback, and he's going to stink it up at times, which will cost them games. And long-term, they probably ought to bite the bullet, you know, and, and play him at least half the season. Yeah. You invested a first-round pick in him, so unless you are telling your fans and, and everybody else that, well, we didn't really believe in him, then you're, you're playing him at some point this year. Now, I think Tomlin is conservative enough that I think, you know, weeks one through four – he starts Trubisky in an effort to get this team off on the right foot and see if they can win some games and make something happen. Because at the end of the day, Tomlin is a veteran player coach, right? Right. He respects his veterans. His veterans love him. And he's not going to walk in that locker room on week one and say, Kenny Pickett's our starter, and those veterans look around the room and go, well, there goes that season. Right. Um, so Tomlin isn't going to do that. He's going to come in and he's going to say, look, Trubisky's won a bunch of games. He's been to a Pro Bowl. He's our best chance to win some games, certainly in the first half of the season. And I think that's what he's going to do because he respects his veterans. Um, and I think that's the right call. But if you are if you are going to hand the kingdom over to Kenny Pickett at some point, you got to play him, right? I mean, right. so at some point there has to be a, a point in the season where you say, okay, you know, it's your team now. Maybe it's after the break. Maybe those first four games we went two and two and we don't like what we see and fuck it, we're going to bite the bullet now. But you can't start the season off with the rookie, I think, in Pittsburgh of all places. I don't think it would be tolerated in that locker room. So, again, Browns, they've got their quarterback problem. You know, in theory, they have it solved for the long term, but for this season, it's a problem. And um, as much as I like Brissett, you know, he's the kind of guy that's good for, you know, a few games, most likely. And and then after that, it's, you know, so I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if the Browns go three and one, two and two in the first four games with Brissett. And, um, you know, we get a little bit of hope and then the Brissett wheels kind of come off. After that, and then we're, the Browns are sort of limping, hoping to get to Watson, who, which we've already seen in the preseason, is is rusty as hell. Yeah. I mean, we knew that, right? I mean, he's looked good in practices at times. What we've been able to see, I, I mean, granted, he got a, you know he got a little bit of one game, looked terrible. And how much of that was just the vanilla and the players he's playing with and not used to it? This, that's a lot of it. But the reality is, eleven more weeks of him not playing after missing all of last year isn't going to help him. Now, I've heard some nonsense out there talking by media folks like uh, California and others that are like, well, he, you know, he's done. You're like, he's never going to be the same quarterback. I'm like, he's 26 and younger than Baker Mayfield. Can we just relax? I know he's missed, he's, you know, he'll have missed some time, but I think it's really premature to be like, He's now done as a quarterback. Um, so, I, you know, again, I think he still has all those tools, but we're not going to see it till later in the season. And, and look, Browns fans, it's going to take two to three weeks of him on the field to bust that rust off, at least. So this whole idea, like, we just got to stay above water, and, you know, with Brissett until Watson comes back. 
Yeah, except for the fact that he's going to come back and hasn't played in really two years. Yeah. And and he's going to look like it. So this whole idea that the Browns will win their last, you know, six games or something is just like nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Um, so this is going to be a Browns team that a lot like last year with an inaccurate, broken Baker Mayfield, you know, they won eight games last year with a quarterback that couldn't right. so I, listen maybe I'm nuts but I do think that with with Brissett and eventually Watson I think they can win one more game with better talent you know with slightly better talent in some spots on the defense solidified uh, the way that defense got better I just think they can get one game better this year um, to be just above the Mendoza line uh, and compete for a compete for a wild card spot down the stretch I, um, that, that's how I. That's how I see it. They won eight games with 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 a terrible quarterback play last year. I think with slightly better quarterback play, they can win nine. Well, they're also in a dramatically tougher AFC, so there is that uh, this year. I want to ask you. But I do think that their schedule is more favorable this year than last. It's so, it's it's very interesting because. It starts off pretty soft, and then the donut hole in the middle is pretty brutal, and then I think the back end is softer than the middle is. I want to ask you a two-part question here about the Browns' offense, and shockingly, it has nothing to do with Watson. So, number one, in watching the preseason games, and again, I haven't watched, but I have kept up with what's happening, uh, so much as I might a team that's in another market, so to speak, here. Uh, but it seems pretty clear at this point, I mean, especially when you don't have Amari Cooper in there, and he should be available, I guess, in the regular season. But, I mean, this wide receiver room, I don't know if you would concur with me, but to me, it looks minute ball thin at this point. And number two, uh, if what happens with Brissett happens, uh, you know, what you're projecting, and I would agree with you, that you're going to reach a point where it's like, how many games until Watson's available? Do you make the move to Dobbs? I realize I'm a Tennessee homer, but boy, oh boy, does that man look like Superman from what I have, you know, been able to follow here in the uh, preseason. And I know, again, preseason competition and all of that, but uh, your thoughts on that on the wide receiver room and whether Dobbs is any kind of a potential bridge to when they get Watson back. Well, I got to tell you what, Dobbs is a conundrum. Let me, but let me, let me dive into the wide receiver room. Mm-hmm. It is thin is exactly the way to describe it. Yep. I, I, you have Amari Cooper, and and listen, I, I, I for some reason like the, everybody kind of forgets about DPJ. You know, the leading receiver for the team last year um, in year two with a lousy quarterback play. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, uh, you know if and again some this is you know I thought DPJ was setting himself up for a breakout year in year three. Mm-hmm. Um, just the progression that I've seen. Now, I think that may be retarded somewhat because of the quarterback play. May just not allow it. Um, but I really, I do like him. And I like David Bell. That's the Jarvis Landry replacement. You and I talked about that a lot last right. season. That's right. And all the fans like, we can't lose Jarvis. And you and I are like, yeah, we can. Absolutely. Um, he's so replaceable, both statistically <laughs> yeah. and, and Mr. No Yards After Catch. That, uh, you know... <laughs> Right. Like, oh, what will we ever do without Jarvis Landry? And you and I are like, I mean, I don't know, win? Um, so, <laughs> you know, again, not to knock 
term because he's had a great career. He's still a, he's still a viable NFL wide receiver, uh, and I hope he does great in New Orleans. But the idea that he was somehow irreplaceable to this team is just nonsense. Right. Um, and I think they went out and they got David Bell specifically to be that guy. Right. Um, and and so again, but now again, to my earlier point um, in, in in the last segment which is you can't rely on rookies to be stars in year one. Sometimes they pop and they are, and you go, wow, right? Mm -hmm. But with David Bell's injured history, I don't think we should expect him to be Jarvis Landry in year one, although he's going to flash greater skills at moments that excite fans. Right. So, again, I like what they've done with, you know, they've got DPJ. I love the steal of Cooper. You know, drafting of Bell, but you are right. I mean, if Cooper goes down, I, boy, man, I, I, I mean, I just don't, I just don't, I don't know what to make of it. Um, it's it it, it, it it's begging for a problem. Let's put it that way. Yep. And you know, a guy like Schwartz, I said, let you know, as fast as he is, you know, we wanted him as uh, as you said uh, earlier today to be as a gadget guy. Mm-hmm. Who could maybe eventually develop into something a little bit more, but to rely on him, you know, in year two after he missed a bunch of time with injuries last year, is anything more than that is, is fool, foolish. Yeah. Um, you know, I still think the Browns are going to grab somebody off the waiver wire, some veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they've got to have one or two guys they've got their eyeball on, and then. Um, yeah, I just your to your point, it's thin. It's really, really, really thin. And if Cooper goes down, you know, Houston, Cleveland, we have a problem. Yes. Um, but you now that said, in the Stefanski offense, you can't look at it like you do with some other teams. You have to look at pass catchers, and I think in a holistic way, and not just the wide receiver room. Yes. And by that, I mean the importance of the tight end, right? Right. They're paying Njoku like they believe he is ready to make that big step. Right. They have cleared the floor for him. You know, Travis Kelsey didn't become Travis Kelsey until he was 26, 27 years old. Right. And that's where David Njoku is right now. And the Browns are paying not on pass per- per- performance, but they're paying on what they project he can do in this offense. Right. Um, and look, we've seen glimpses of it, right? I mean, we've all seen those, catch, you know, occasional catches or the run after. We go, you know, where is this guy week in and week out? I'm like, my God, right? Um, you know, and I think some of it in the last couple of years is, you know, look, you had you had Hooper in there and he wasn't getting all the catches. I think he's on the field 80, 80 to eighty five percent of the time now this year, right? So they they are they gave him the contract and they are going to expect him to perform like Travis Kelsey. I right. think that is clear. You know, he's going to catch a lot of balls or at least a lot thrown his way, and they're going to expect a lot of production. So you got to include, you know, him and Bryant in the tight, in, in the tight end. Yep, Harry Bryant, if he can give you anything. Yeah. Uh, um, Bryant's got to give you something. He's a good pass-catching tight end. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Right. Um, so, you you know, that's part of the equation. And then the other part of the equation, of course, is the, is the running backs. I mean, you know, how they use Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb will also, you know, impact the passing game. Now, I will tell you, right now on paper, Brown's passing game is easily bottom three in the league. Ooh. It just is. Mm-hmm. It might be, yeah. It just is. Yeah. And I, that's kind of scary. Now, that said... You know, their strength is that line in that running game. Right. Okay? And, and, and let me tell you, 
those are strengths. I mean, they are powerful strengths. But um, but eight in the box can negate anything. Right. But if they're going to do eight in the box, that's going to open lanes. Right. And even a veteran like Brissett can find Njoku or Cooper. Right. right. So, so and again, that's the Stefanski offense, though, right? It's, it's, it's pound, it's run, get you eight in the box, and then kill you with a tight end over the middle. Mm-hmm. Or kill you with, you know, kill you the, with wide receiver one on, on, you know, on a post. I mean, like, that's what it is. And so I think they're comfortable with where they are, um, as long as everybody's healthy, because of what the nature of their offense is. They want Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and David and Joku to carry this offense, and then the wide receivers be available to, you know, break the back occasionally to keep the defense honest. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what they want to do, and it's not like the rest of the league that wants to throw it all over the place like they are the Arena League. So um, I think we have to understand that that's just in, at least until Watson is back and the rust is all gone. You know, this is never going to be a pass happy offense. Right. That's true. So, yeah. But you know, but again, I I do I do when you talk about the Browns, I, I like what we've seen a little bit out of Jordan Elliott at the tackle position. I think he's finally you know in year three looks like he's ready to start. Um, that that. You know, we have worries at the tackle position. Um, I love their defensive draft. Um, I love, obviously, as you know, folks at home don't know, I, every time Kate York hits like a 17,000-mile field goal, I text Ray. Yep. Um, That's you know, awesome. I, you and I both love the Kate York pick. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and, and at least right now, it looks like that's... That was the correct move. I mean, he he is the leg on him is, is real, and it gives you confidence in terms of what you're doing in terms of the, of the offense. And and I'll tell you, we're going to need a lot of Kate York this year, I think. Yeah. And and uh, we're going to need that kid. You know, it's funny in that second preseason game, he missed that 55 yard field goal. Because mm-hmm. um, you know he sort of put it out, and then it was drifting back in, so he missed it at 55 because he hit the upright. But the irony is, it would have been good from 65. Yeah, <laughs> because sure. It, because it was Englishing back in. <laughs> so and, and, and he hit at the top of the bar, like yeah. towards the top. Yeah. I mean, it was literally going to be good for, from 65. Yeah. Now, it's like, so it's like he, he doinked it at 55, but he ironically would have been good from 65. Right. Or even, really, uh, you know, 57. He would have oh, been yeah. good. So even though he doinked that one, I was like, eh. It's okay because he's got the leg, he's got the confidence, um, and that 57 yarder that he hit uh, Saturday night, um, yesterday. Uh, I mean, if you saw it, he had at least I say five, but it could be ten yards extra in terms of where it where it went through the uprights. Um, so plenty of leg there, and so again, Browns I thought drafted well. Um, Emerson is looking like. He's going to be great depth this year with a starting role next year, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's been – I've read some stuff from some other teams that have said that, that the fact that Emerson ended up in the third round was a shock to, to a lot of people and that the Browns got a steal. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the Browns had no intention of drafting a corner at that point in the third round. But he was on the board, and I think they had him rated – you know, late first, early second, and they couldn't believe he was there, and there was no way they weren't taking him. Yeah. And so a lot of us fans at the time were like, 
corner. Like, what are we doing? But they, they couldn't pass on the value, which is a thing that you ought to love because you're always screaming value. Right. That's true. Yeah, they got value there. Uh, Kate York, I thought that was a tremendous pick because I had said coming into the draft that there was no contender in the NFL that was in more dire need of stability at the kicking position than the Browns. And they addressed that. They did what they needed to do there. And they are part of a fascinating uh, framework here, uh, Chris. This uh, AFC North, the one thing I think we can agree on is that it is a very, very uh, tough division. And that is what uh, you know breeds some of the questions that we have coming into the season here, I think, is uh, how teams deal with the toughness in this division and, of course, the non-divisional schedule. Well, they're going to beat each other up, and, and all these teams have holes and flaws, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the Ravens have their flaws. The, the Steelers' offensive line is still, I don't think, is right. They're going to have problems there, although they, they did take a guy I love in George Pickens, a wide receiver. Yep. And, and, you know, I was pounding the table for the Browns to take him. Right, um, And now it looks like, you know, yep, he's going to be the real deal, but he's going to be the real deal in Pittsburgh. But they have flaws. They've lost some guys. Um, they've underperformed. Um, the quarterback position is a question mark. The O-line is, is, is a real uh, – is the, probably now might be the worst in the division. Um, so they, they're going to have some challenges. The Browns have their challenges we outlined in depth. The Bengals hangover and the tough schedule they're playing is going to be their biggest Achilles. And, you know, if, if somebody like Jamar Chase is, is out for any period of time, they're going to have some challenges. And the Ravens, it's for me, it's just the constant question mark about Lamar Jackson. I know he, in the end, the numbers always seem to be right, but they're, I think as teams have figured out how to play him, it's going to get harder and harder for them to pull, pull that offense and make it work. And I wonder, since he's negotiating his own contract, if it's going to start to weigh on him this season. Well, it, uh, it might. And that they haven't signed it, and they're not going to sign it, so he's going to play on this fifth year uh, on the contract and with nothing else in hand, and he's betting on himself. And honestly, I think some of it is the Ravens, you know, they'll, you know he's got to be looking for Deshaun Watson money, right? Easily. And I, gotta, I, think, I think if you're the Ravens, you've got to be thinking, you know, dude, we've we've literally built this team at every level to fit around you. So on the one hand, we're fully committed, but on the other hand, it's like if you're the Ravens, it's like if he walks, like you're gonna have to retool. Yeah, very, very much so. And last note that I've got for you here: another feature we've got in fantasy football draftology 2022 is uh, top 10 NFL players on the spot in 2022. And two of the top ten are in this division, number six and number one, and they're both wide receivers. David Bell for the Browns because he is a very vital, as we said, in stabilizing the wide receiver position and of being that possession kind of a guy that I felt like almost more so than Landry that Hollywood Higgins was, and they let him go. He always reminded me of the Brian Brennan role. And they need David Bell to be the Brian Brennan of this team. The number one player on the spot, I believe, in the entire league is Rashad Bateman. Because it's a situation where, again, uh, he came in as a high draft pick. But uh, this is a thing where if Lamar Jackson is going to reach his destiny, then Rashad Bateman has got to be a legit, no questions asked, number one wide receiver in the league. He has the ability 
but he hasn't shown enough at the NFL level to where we can be sure I would say, oh, it's just a matter of time. So to me, he's the player most on the spot in 2022. Yes, I agree. He might, I, I haven't ranked him as you have, but the Bateman situation is interesting. You know, his rookie season riddled with injuries, so it was a challenge. And then he had the challenge of Lamar Jackson throwing to him until he got injured. Uh-huh. And then he had a backup, Huntley, which, you know, they didn't have chemistry per se. So that was a really hard situation. Yep. I will be curious to see if Bateman and Jackson get on the same page and build chemistry. Obviously, Marquise Brown couldn't do it. Right. And wanted out. And he wanted to go to Arizona, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Yep. To, you know, to go play with his, his old college uh, buddy. But, you know, it is a real – Bateman has to work for the Ravens, or otherwise they'll perpetually be drafting guys because no one will want to go and play with Lamar Jackson. Absolutely. There is so much that is on the line there for Baltimore in that situation. And overall this season, it is, as we said, a fascinating landscape in the AFC North in 2020. Thank you so much, Chris Galloway. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this mini-episode of the FDH Lounge.